Hey, what's up? This is Matt from the Tiny Content Media Podcast. Listen, topic today is going to be mental health. I have a great guest here with me, Christina, a mental health advocate in the healthcare profession. And we're going to start by talking about how in the black and brown community, mental health is not looked upon as a necessity. As in, yeah, people want to know about their mental health, but if they're having troubles, they never reach out. Um, And today we want to share best practices and what you can do to kind of debunk the um, notion that mental health is not important in a black and brown community. So with that being said, Christine, what are your thoughts? Stigmatized in our communities. Yeah, and then true. And being a man, I always felt that if you're going through something, you have to <coughs> excuse me, be tough and get through it yourself. Because you're a provider. You're not, you know, you're not some wimp that's going to be sitting in the corner crying to someone on the couch that you're going to get it done. But that's not the case. Sometimes you really need to reach out and get <clears throat> not even an arbitrator, but someone that can just listen to you and vent. You can vent out that frustration so you don't carry it. Because even myself, I tend to kind of keep stuff bottled up inside until it explodes. And I'm trying to learn now within the last couple of months not to do that because I'm just doing a disservice to my own mental health and myself because I'm carrying all the stress and anxiety and I'm not letting out the frustration. So what do you do personally to, what's your Zen moment? It's funny, like, I feel like all these pharmaceutical companies, they don't necessarily want to cure what ails you. They just want to make it livable for you. And my problem with that is they have such adverse side effects. Like, say if I have eczema 
a prime example, right? And I, I look at TV, I see this great pill for it. But me taking a pill to clear my skin so I can go to the beach and feel comfortable, I might have suicidal thoughts. I might have irritable bowel movements, which is diarrhea. Um, liver problems. So is this medicine that I'm about to take for this eczema so I can go to the beach and, you know, be, you know, fresh, skin clear, is it worth it? I mean, these pharmaceuticals don't really care about your well-being, in my opinion. They care about the bottom line, which is a dollar sign. Chit. Shame. Well, that's a joke, but it ain't a great joke. But listen, I think <coughs> to debunk the notion that mental health is not something that the black and brown community need to do personally in their opinion when they think about it has to be eliminated in our communities basically the only way to do that is communication uh, a platform like this we're not going to do mental health every week but we're going to touch on a lot of sensitive topics that black and brown people don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about so you had 15 years therapy uh you had two years ago you stopped medicating yourself how's it going now how do you feel what is your regimen at this time uh honestly a lot of meditating um it took me a while to understand what meditation was for me and it's not sitting on the ground or the floor with my legs crossed and my eyes closed and my hands on my knees going room not what it is. Uh, it's different for everyone. It definitely is for me. I like to listen to meditation sounds, not necessarily guided meditation, but I have done that as well, and I find it also to be very helpful. For me, it allows me to remove myself from, from a situation or something that is constantly on my mind. So when I'm doing this, it pulls me it grounds me. It pulls me away from all the chaos in my head. And it's been working, I want to say about two and a half, three years now. That's great. <clears throat> it's like sometimes you, with the meditation part, because I have actually tried it myself, it's like you get into a space where you know, you're know it's quiet, um, and you can actually go over and you're, your head all the thoughts you had for the day or if you're doing it in the morning what your affirmations are and what you get planned for the day and to start your day with peace i'm a real big believer of that like every morning i wake up i try to you know practice my religion i pray um try to figure out plan out my day in my mind what i'm gonna do and start my day off in a zen-like state of peace i hate confusion in the morning i like to be <clears throat> level-headed clear thoughts and even what if if I'm anxious or something you know really bothers me or bothering me for the previous day, now I'm trying to just let that go and start fresh every day. That's really awesome. I like that. Uh, I try to practice that as well, and that's amicable. I wish that more men and women. It's just communication. I had to really you know get self help for myself and you know various situations I've had this past year and you know just letting stuff go not letting it muster and build up inside and then keep carrying it on because all i'm doing is prolonging the, the the explosion in my mind and building up to 
be so anxious that I can't go back, which is the definition of sanity, right? Repeating the same behavior and expecting different results. So if you want different results in your life, you got to do something. You got to change it. You know, you might need to talk to somebody. There's so many outlets now. You can even look for an online therapist where it's a Zoom call. You know, you can stay home in the comfort of your home and your safe space and speak to this person without judgment. How do you feel about that type of uh, platform, like an online Zoom type of therapist instead of like the brick and mortar doctor couch you're going to sit on and think they're being so judgmental and looking at you? Say, hey, this isn't working for me. I need a break. Or I just want to speak. So let me ask you a question. Like, what's, what would be, say you, you get on the Zoom and, you know, you got Dr. Quack, right? He's not engaging. He doesn't look like he's paying attention. Uh, you feel like you're wasting your time. How do you just tell him? politely that you need someone else to talk to how does that work online now would this be one occasion or uh, several occasions days? maybe okay. a month or 30 days every week okay. you've so noticed a, a pattern of events yeah, yeah with him um, or I, her i definitely had um providers just irk the crap out of me and i've sat there and said okay um i this is now the second time that we've met and I'm not comfortable with you, so I'm going to sit here in silence until I get a new provider. Now, what was the provider's response when you said that? Okay. That's it? They just said okay? It, it was horrible. It was like the worst experience. I don't even think that he understood what his purpose was. Like, not even trying to engage and say, hey, okay, this is how you're feeling today. Is this not... Have you, have you felt like this before? And if you have, let's talk about that. Like, I'm a firm believer that people don't understand. If you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever the case, you go to school, you go to college, go to graduate school, you get your master's, pass the bar, pass all your clinicals, right? <coughs> and you're just shitty. You're a D student. You still get that degree. So when you go in your professional field, doesn't mean that you're A-class professional. You barely pass. You got that paper. You barely get, you know, residency or a job or a position in a um, psychiatric, you know, facility, or go off on your own. You're still a D student, so you're gonna get D results, right? Because if you're not honing your craft through school and you were paying for that and you didn't want to excel scholastically to be recognized in the top, you know, percentile of your class, you're just going through the motions. So, if I'm going through the motions, how am I gonna help you? Just for providers, patients can be de-patients, too. <coughs> and how so? What, what, what letter grade do you think you are, then? I think today I would probably be somewhere in the B, the B or B plus 
Yeah. Okay. But um, referring to that provider that I just did not want to speak with, I was a, an F, F patient all the way. I did not want to engage. I just, I just didn't want to be there. And what made you change your mind? What what did you what what did you do internally to s- tell yourself now I want to be there? Is that you switch provider? Is it, you know you had some uh, uh, you know a uh, uh, moment in your mind say yeah this is for me I need to like you know do better well, for I myself. Am, I am a firm believer in therapy, um, talk therapy, group therapy. I'm a firm believer in healing. And I think at that point in my life, with that specific provider, I was just not willing to heal at all. Healing was not, I was not on the road, the path to healing. So do you think like, say like a heroin addict, I'm going to just use that example. You know, they shoot needles, they get to this, you know, elevated state from the drug. And they don't, you know, get help until they hit rock bottom, right? Yeah, so you, you, you hit rock bottom, you get methadone or whatever to wean yourself off the drug. So we're going to compare the methadone, right? That's going to be the therapist, the clinical therapist. I hit rock bottom emotionally. My mind is just, I have high anxiety. I can't think straight. I can't act straight. I'm a blah with my friends and family. I have an attitude, and this therapist gets me past that by listening to me. Um, unbiasedly and giving me best practice or tips to use daily and to heal myself, right? How do you grade that on a scale from A to D or E? I mean, how do you grade that? You said you were F. Like, how would you grade yourself? How would you know? Because this, you, 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 you seek <laughs> out this this provider to get help yourself. So how can you grade your performance? Wouldn't the provider kind of want to do that for you or how do you do that to yourself for yourself well at that point um my therapist that i had been seeing for five years she dropped me and i was devastated and i think i was just so i took it so personal and it was personal and i just didn't want to talk to anybody else and i tried it just didn't work okay so so they that prior therapist for five years did she like give you a feeling of abandonment like you know i I poured my heart this person she's got me through so many trials and tribulations in my life and then she just left me now did she give you a reason um she felt that i wasn't keeping my appointments and it just my my schedule was just excuse me it had been we had had this therapy patient relationship for five years and she just was frustrated with my scheduling and not keeping it and she's just like this has happened way too many times i'm very disappointed i think you need to seek counsel elsewhere so with that being said me and from the outside looking in i'm thinking i was monetarily a frustration to her because you know if you cancel she's not getting paid so your your mental health wasn't really a main concern of hers for five years. She just wants to, you know, get that dollar. I mean, that's just on the outside looking in because why would you drop someone for that reason that you've had such a, that's a half a decade. I know. Um, 
it it was there was there's a lot more at play at this time in my life. It, I was hitting rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I was misusing my medications and mixing them with narcotics. I was not addressing what I needed to address. Like I can't continue to be doing this, and I spiraled out of control. Now <clears throat> I have a question for you. So within that time, you had the you know the therapy five years. Were you in a relationship at any of that time? A romantic relationship? No. No, because I'm trying to gauge where now when you have that dynamic in the play when you're doing this therapy, do you bring your significant other or partner in the sessions? Because there got to be a scenario where they're they're affected by your issues with your mental health or they trigger some of them. What's your thoughts on that, on the outside looking in? So you were in a relationship, so what do you think would be the, I don't know, the methodology of bringing a partner into it? You are correct. Um, I, although I was not in a romantic relationship, I do, um, I have a child. Really, that sounds amazing. Comical in what sense? Before he um, agreed to join the session, I warned her. I said, look, um, you probably think that I'm embellishing. I'm not. This individual takes long pauses. So long that you think that they're ignoring you. And it's not that. They're still thinking. They're going back and forth in their head. And she thought Full of it. Yes. So when she would approach him with the question, and he would literally take way too long, she looked at me like, are you serious? This is really happening. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly happening. I warned you. Mind you, 45-minute session. Can't take such long pauses. Do you think it was beneficial to you? For your mental health to have during the session, did you see some things that he did in the past that you know triggered some of your um, need to speak to someone um, other than him? Well, the, the the point of him joining the session was so that she could understand what my, my frustrations were with him at the time, co-parenting. Now, my son is he, my son's birthday is actually tomorrow. He's gonna be fourteen. Wow, God bless. Thank you. So at this time, my son was four or five, and he did not want to address what was at hand with our child, our child being diagnosed with ADHD. And I'm, again, I'm a strong believer in conditioning, eating healthy, meditation. He my son's father did not want to address it. He denied, denied, denied. Up until our son was 11 and said, he called me one day and said, I think, I think that you are right. And 
I didn't say, you know, I told you so. I said, this is the part where I don't want to say I told you so. But I'm happy that you're coming. You was able to recognize it, yeah. And (coughs) since that, since that turning point, we've just 180. That's great. That's great. And that's another thing, because like I was saying earlier, as a man, he's like, you know, I can solve this. Instead of just listening to what, you know, what troubles your son or what troubles you or taking the necessary steps to better understand what he's going through, we want to solve the problem. And I guess, look, it took him all those years to say, hey, let me listen to what's going on and grasp the concept of why he needs maybe to talk to someone and now while my... um. You know, I'm comparing with her while she needs to talk to someone so we can better understand what's going on with our son, even though we're not together. And, you know, maybe he thought maybe you, he always knew, but he he was scared to admit you were right because it's always, sometimes people want to win, you know, they just don't, they don't want to solve the problem. I guess me being a man, I, I might think that way at times, which is not good that, you know, you're arguing with someone and you're not actively listening you just want to w- respond to the next thing they say because you want to win the battle and win the fight which you know <clears throat> it's not a good thing you know people really need to kind of self-actualize in their mind like what am i doing to contribute to this situation to make it bad you know we always think it's the other person and sometimes it's you you know, like I, I have a bad habit of feeling everyone should think like me or respond to certain things like me and act like me. And then I get frustrated when they don't do what I would do or assume they should do. Even, you know, that's something I'm working on. It's going to be active because I can't get upset if you don't like say I'm pushing you to record today and you really don't want to. But this is the only free time I have. And I'm mad at you because you have a life. Right. So it's just, uh, let me get off my soapbox, but just (laughs) mental health in our community is just not something that we talk about enough. And there's a lot of platforms that do it. Um, Charlemagne from um, the radio station in New York, he is a big advocate of that. He talks about therapists. He talks about, you know, his struggles um, growing up and, you know, kind of suppressing certain feelings. And as you get into adulthood, those feelings, you know, arise again, especially when you're a parent and what you're going to do to change them. So with that being said, um, if you could start all over, right, with all the therapists you ever had, is there one that stands out that you felt that really made an impact in your life talking to them? I think that... um, Not the five-year one. <coughs> I think that all of my therapists are very different and I was very different with all of those therapists. I wasn't the same person. I didn't have the same mentality. So I guess what I'm saying is because I've been doing therapy for so long and I keep healing because that's what therapy is about, healing. So the more I hear my, heal myself, especially with therapy, it's different encounters with my therapist. Like my therapist now, when I first met her, I was like, oh my God, she's a cheerleader. I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> but it, it turns out that she's just advocating for me and saying, hey, you are phenomenal. 
and you need to recognize. Now, I have a really, really, really interesting question. Mm-hmm. And I don't <clears throat> want to play the race card. So we're talking about mental health in the black and brown community, correct? Correct. Are these therapists or any of them black or brown? Yes. Okay. Did you have anyone that were not? Yes. No, the ones that are not. Do you think they can relate to the daily struggles of a person that is black and brown or race has nothing to do with it? It depends on what kind of therapy. That's another topic as well. Um, My current therapist, so I I came to terms with my triggers, my traumas. This was um, pre-COVID. Okay. Pre the pandemic and all that stuff. And I remember just realizing, oh, I'm this way because that happened. And I was able to start talking about it. And I just didn't know how to address it I'm only bringing that up because I think that's another misconception. Like, now, you know, how is this the man therapist, you know, that's not black or brown going to help me when they don't, you know, know what I have to go through on a daily basis? So remember, when you are meeting therapists, you're interviewing them. Mm-hmm. So you're going to ask those questions, or you're going to present those situations. To like what, what? I would I would love if the therapist like was behind like the a green screen or like a screen like the Wizard of Oz that you don't see their nationality, you don't see what they look, their physical appearance. Uh, you just know they're male or female, and you could just talk. Because I think that would be phenomenal. Because then that would just help <coughs> debunk, like, the myth. Because if they see, like, you know, if you're Puerto Rican, you see you have a Puerto Rican therapist. You feel more comfortable talking to that person. And then if you're not, then you get a black therapist and you're Spanish. You're like, well, well they're not. They're close. It's the same thing. Like, I feel it's the same. But I'm not going to vent to them because they're not going to understand because they don't, they don't understand the culture or the traditional stuff that I have to deal with in my mind and I have to, you know, do and please everyone. It should just be like a wall, a box, like a glory hole therapist. <laughs> so you just, you know, you can just hear that person's voice. You can't see them. You talk about the problem and you just go and there's no judgment and you just, you'll just be free to talk because you don't know who you're actually talking to if that makes sense because just like just like instagram right people portray this lifestyle on social media that is amazing you know there's no one on instagram like putting like damn i didn't eat today you know i'm eating you know beans and bologna um or i'm depressed and you know, i got three dollars in my check account everyone's glamorous they're on a trip they're partying you know, they're showing off their sneakers, the music they listen to, they're jet setting, or they're putting up memories from their past when they were happy. It's like it's like a farce. It's like a fantasy world. You know. I definitely agree with that as well. Um, which is why a couple of years ago I decided to take down all my photos and videos because I got sick of people. Oh, you were so hot, and what happened to you? And da, 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 you don't look like that anymore. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I don't. So let's take them down. Yeah, but what's the point? You're living. Are they living vicariously through what you used to look like? That doesn't make sense. That's what it felt like to me. 
started, um, I think I just left like 26 posts or videos. And then I would rotate, like take, delete them and stuff like that. Just because I don't want people to think that I look a certain way. But do you think that there's a, that's another part of the, our mental health issues in the black and brown community? Because we're trying to live up to this high standard that we see celebrities on social media um, or our day-to-day lives and in, in movies and television. And that's what we're trying to live up to that example. So we're so extra hard on ourselves. We build our own um, wall of anxiety that we have to hurdle over. I don't want to be focused on what I appear to be or what I look like. I want, I want somebody. I want to impact somebody based on what they feel from me, what they receive from me, whether it's a simple conversation, even a simple smile. You know, it's funny. You know, I was drawn to have you co-host and guest with me based on the videos that you posted because you you came up with an interesting topic, like what attracts you. Can you speak more on that? Yes. So I had a conversation with with a friend, and my appearance came up. Okay. Because uh, I recently had weight loss surgery. Okay. Um, I'm two days away from being five months post-op. Okay. And the the weight loss has been drastic. I don't know if you you seem more attractive, <laughs> and I said because I'm happy and I'm trying to be positive. And you're glowing, so but I, your face doesn't change. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's almost like a insult. Like your face doesn't change. So during that conversation, um, <clears throat> he came to the realization. He was like, "No, no, no, hear me out. It's me. I, I'm. I think." that I'm shallow and I said I don't think I know you are mm-hmm. and he's like but and I'm not okay with that so he came up with this realization to himself like hmm. but you know what's funny and not to age myself or you know I've known you for you know quite some time I <laughs> I'm a lot skinnier <laughs> than you met me right so you, you definitely like I've seen you in many different Yes, yeah. So it's like it's like insulting. Like you're you're a lot you know, you're oh you're a lot more attractive now. But it's like that it's the shallow I think that's what he saw on the surface, but then he realized like, you know, I don't want to be that. Yeah. Because that's no way to be because I think there's someone for everyone. I'm a firm believer in that. And, you know, even you know, prior to me getting, you know, in a long-term relationship, I always felt the worst a woman can say to you is no. My father always taught me that. So regardless of how big or small you are, it's more your personality because you can't Photoshop your personality. No. You can Photoshop your face, <laughs> your outward appearance, and filter it with Snap and TikTok and Instagram. But your But your personality, you can't change that. I mean, you can... And if you do try to change it to portray yourself differently, eventually, you know, the facade of you being, you know, whatever is going to come off. You're going to get tired. You're going to forget. And that all plays into mental health because what triggers a lot of people is what 
they feel their outside appearance looks to everyone else. Like your your friend that came up with the self accusation that he was shallow and said that you're more attractive to him and he never thought of you that way, but your face hasn't changed. And I've known you over 20 years, right? You're still the same person, regardless of how big or small we age. And you're not going to be, um, you know, I'm not going to wear size 32 when I was 20 forever, you know. Mm-hmm. But if I get up to 42, I might think, eh, maybe I need to go down to 36, 38, you know. So you want to change because it's, it's healthier for your body. I think for me. And, and your mind. Even when I was heavy, I, I thought I was pretty positive and, you know, very easy to speak with. And wasn't too bad on the eyes, but that's not, that's not what I focused on. Yeah, but it, was that the basic, I'm sorry, the basis of you see, uh, continuing your therapy because your weight was fluctuating and you maybe were coming down hard on yourself? No, um, I, I've always been in therapy for my temper. I, I used to have a very bad temper. I'm sure you remember. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I, from when I was probably about seven, eight, I started therapy for my temper. Wow. And I just, as I get older, I'm trying to remain calm. Even when I'm frustrated. Even when I don't know. I'm confused. Because that's where usually the anger comes from, when you don't know. Um, when you are confused. For me, at least. Um, I guess. I mean, my triggers are different depending depending on what it is. I don't like being told what to do. And if you're repeatedly telling me what to do on, like, a, a nagging level or, like, like I'm dumb, you know, some certain people are coaches and certain people are players. I feel like I'm a coach. Okay. Um, all the people I try to surround myself are coaches. They're not players. But and especially when you're in a relationship and that person has that, you know, strong personality and they're a coach too and you're a coach, then you don't want to be coached by another coach. It just it just turns to shit. So you gotta kind of, that's when compromise and communication come into play. And that affects your mental health too because you're affecting the mental health of someone else because you're not listening to them. It, it, it's like a slippery slope. It is. Mm-hmm. And I think that every leader should lead by example. And that's how you can compromise. I think that's like a cliche, everyone lead by example. But sometimes you don't want to lead. You you want everything to just flow the way they should be. Because if you are two leaders, right, and you you know, you know you both have the same, you're both coaches, you have the same playbook, you know what the next move should be. It shouldn't be too much of a compromise because you both want to win together as a team you know you're not coaching a separate team you're coaching one team and the team is you being together right well i'm i'm no sports enthusiast enthusiast but i do know that football okay well yeah they have offense defense you know um you know the quarterback has his own playbook as well and he's an actual field coach if to be honest, because he has, he gets the plays, and he has to execute the plays, and his players have to believe in him, because they believe in the coach, but they really believe in their quarterback. He's like the first line of um, contact to them on the field. Well, 
Uh, football, I, I, I guess you have a valid point, but, you know, I'm more of a baseball, um, basketball person. But, which has several coaches, too, but <laughs> the main one is the one that everyone listens to. Like, but Le- like if you want to talk about, like, basketball, right? LeBron is a player coach to me because he makes people around him better that he plays with. He's just not, you know, trying to score 100 points a night all these years. But he wants to bring up, you know, people on his team and give them a role so they can better themselves so they can get in position. So he's a mentor. Yeah. On the field. Okay. No, on the, on, the, on the floor. In my opinion. But I don't want to talk about sports this okay. episode. But, Sorry, but yeah. I used the wrong no, no, no. That's <laughs> fine. So, I mean, it's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, very insightful. Um, your videos are amazing. Um, where could the people actually watch those videos and get some insight from you on uh, mental health? So I'm currently posting on TikTok and Instagram. They are both the same names, and it's they it's spelled out. Excuse me, it's say no more. Spelled out underscore S A Y N zero underscore M zero R three underscore. Cool. Cool. That's a lot to grasp. You, you know, I'm going to have to put that in the notes on uh, in, in the podcast. But like I said, it's great talking to you. Hopefully, you know, we're we helping someone out that wants to know more about therapy and mental health and meditation and pharmaceutical companies just feeding you these pills and not, you know, just giving you enough to get by but not really solving the underlying problem that you, you have in the first place. Um, you can contact me. I'm at all my... All my socials are the same, Mac Media, Photo, or Tiny Content Media. I have so many, like, I'm Heyman. I have, like, so many different platforms. But um, it's going to be a, this, our show is going to be ex- Spotify exclusive for now um, to get, you know, the listening public up to speed to what, you know, what we want to accomplish on these social topics for black and brown people. And um, that's about it. Tiny Content Media. It's a podcast.